0: If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. It is my pleasure to continue the series by passing the mic off tonight. And so if you guys will give a warm welcome to our executive is that the title our both our executive pastor but also a very close friend of mine and I thank you for your friendship pastor Matt Carnes come on up to the stage thank you how y'all doing yeah that's right give it up for Eli that's all y'all can do for Eli Dishman that's a little bit better a little bit better thank you Elijah you, that's why you're my favorite everybody Elijah is my favorite yes Brody I loved him more than you but I do love you a lot still alright how y'all doing I can like hardly see y'all how far back does it go I really can't high along the back wall high along the back wall Yes, so I'm, I'm Matt, as Pastor Dom said. It's a, it's, first of all, it's an honor to be here, to be asked to, to be here. It, you know, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking for me having Pastor Dom here while I'm speaking. It's easier whenever you're not here, but I'm a little, there's a high bar that he, he sets here each week. Um, but I was honored that he would ask me to do so. And so that, he's been asking all this question every week, who is like our God? Have you all figured it out yet? You, and you've only been here a few weeks. It's impressive. Right, that's right. Absolutely. There's no one like our God. So he asked me to talk about truthfulness. What did y'all talk about last week? Anybody remember? The wrath of God. Did you, did you like that one? What did you like about it? What was your favorite part? Wow. Wow, go Drew Liner. That's impressive. I really thought you were going to say something different. I'm impressed, man. That's awesome. And you passed your driving test today. Congratulations. Just watch out for Drew if you see him on the road. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you passed, man. Very good. So yes, I'm going to talk about truthfulness tonight. Truthfulness. How many of you like truth in your life? Most of you. Aiden, you like truth? I see you shaking your head. Yeah, I do. Well, first of all, as Pastor Dom said, he he has become a close friend of mine. And I know y'all get to see him like on Wednesdays and like special events, but I get to hang out with him like every day. And so I definitely have a much better position than you guys. I mean, maybe one day you can hang out with him every day, but I get to, and he is he is awesome. And then this leadership team here—do y'all like your leaders? I mean, you gonna clap for him? <laughs> it's a tough crowd, Elijah. You didn't warn me about this. They're like Elijah. Okay. All right, so we're in week nine, and we're going we're gonna to talk, talk about who is like our God, and we're going to talk about truthfulness. And I want you to know how special it is that you have a, a youth pastor that's willing to go with you through the attributes of God. Right? You, might not realize it, you might not realize it now, but this is, this is amazing. Right? Each week when I come and I pick up my boys and we talk about it, I just love all of the things they take away from this series. And it is good because it gives us a very high view of who God is. Do you ever pass it down talking about certain attributes from God that are communicable or incommunicable? Anybody? Did y'all, did y'all go through those at all? Then use those words. Those are fancy words. So, like, some of God's attributes, we can take part in, right? So, like, can we take part in wrath? We should probably shouldn't because we probably can't do it. We can't do it in a holy way like He can, right? But truthfulness, for example, can we do? Can we be truthful? Like, can we now? Can we be at the same level of truth that God is? Of course not, right? So we're going to so look at truthfulness tonight. We're human and we make mistakes. That's right. You've been paying attention. Um, so we're going to look through a few things tonight, but there's kind of like a common theme or a couple threads that I want us to consider tonight. And one is the truthfulness of God, because that's the attribute we're looking at. Uh, but secondly, the you ever heard of like definite versus indefinite? You know those words? Like if something's definite, what does that mean? It's going to happen, right? Set in stone. That's right. Eli... You're, you're a good student aren't you got a 4.0 right I can bet listen to Eli too Elijah and Eli those are two people you need to listen to here tonight yes and then where do we get that truth from what is the source of that truth God and then what and what what is this like this is like charades pictionary okay he said I think he said Bible our book Bible but the book okay definite article article the book good job so we're going to be talking through truthfulness tonight and we're going to be looking at that but i want to caution us here because sometimes when we talk about truth has anybody ever been told something true in their life and it was it was kind of hurtful or maybe the way in which they told you some truth was hurtful the truth hurts why is the truth hurt because it's true right but do you have you experienced sometimes where like somebody told you truth and you like even though you didn't like it you still were okay with it because they, they they did it to you in a compassionate way or a loving way versus somebody who didn't. Right? Have you had both? You gotta fess up, right? The punishment in your house is much easier if you tell the truth. That's you got good parents. Right. And so you, uh, Brody. All right, so we're going to so look at that. So I want us to look at as For us as believers, we have a responsibility when communicating truth that we do it compassionately, right? And we do it in a way in which people can receive it because ultimately truth is offensive, right? Truth does does rub us the wrong way. So we're going to be looking through some of those things tonight, but remember, God's way that he does truth is not like us, right? He always does it in a way in which does so. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually, because they are spiritually discerned. All right, so there's a truth there, particularly when we're speaking to someone that's not a believer, that the truth of Scripture is foolishness to them. Right? Have you ever seen that before, experienced that? Yeah. So we're going to look at that tonight. And I remember Dom actually, I think, told you all a story a few weeks ago about a man eating a steak. Do you remember that story? It was very impactful story, clearly. So he told you all this story about someone that was at a restaurant and they ordered a nice big steak. And the waiter came with the steak and instead of handing it to him on the platter, he took the steak and smacked him in the face with it. And then set it down. Do you think that person appreciated that steak very much? No. Right, really not, really, really not that great, right? So was that a compassionate delivery of a very... Good thing? No. Any of you ever been hit with a stake? No? Okay. Alright. So so like, so that's a profound story that I'm gonna need you to keep in your mind the rest of the night. No, I'm joking. So let's look at let's look at some depth. who can define for me well, before we do that, what would you say is truth to you? And you can you can talk to me. The Bible, okay. What else? God? Things proven by facts. That's good. Good job, Sydney. What else? Eighty percent of the time, your parents. So, what's the other twenty? It's kind of like somewhere in between. At least you give them eighty percent. That's that's pretty good. Eighty percent, okay. Right, so, so I think what we have seen here is that there seems to be lots of different ways in which truth is perceived i mean Eli gave eighty percent that's that's not even a solid thing at all because it's not a hundred percent but so in the dictionary so like let's look at a couple of things all right so truth by definition is the body of real things events and facts actuality or the quality of state of being true a fact or a reality of what you said Sydney. right and in and in scripture both in the new testament and the old in the original language we see a very similar meaning of truth right pretty pretty straightforward what i thought was interesting is in the in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in, there's really not one singular word for the word truth. Um, in the in the way in which we're going to look at tonight, but it what, it what it speaks to is the idea of a dependableness or a faithfulness. And when you see, you see how those could be closely related to truth, something's dependable, something's faithful. So we see this thread of this word all throughout scripture. But here's the real problem. The reason is simple is that authentic biblical truth is inextricably linked to the dependable unchanging character of God so God is what truth, God is truth so talk to me again how is truth challenged today, how have you seen it politics, very good opinions, opinions from where opinions from politics, yep people who disagree, right? And what? Are they, and why do people challenge truth? Because truth hurts, okay? What would you say, Bella? They want to know the real truth, okay, yeah? Yes, sir, you're right, some people could be challenged, could be pushing back in that way, yeah? Everyone has their own truth. That's good, Mido, I like that. That's going to play well for this next part here. Right, so we live in, have you ever heard that we live in a post-truth society? You ever heard that word, right? What's that? Not word. Okay. Well, now you can say you have. So we live in like a what's called postmodern, a postmodern area that started about 30 30 years ago. And postmodern is subsequent or coming later than where we are. Right? Just a big fancy word. Just need to know we're, we're in that. But what has recently come up is this idea of post truth. Post truth started about was coined by a man in about two thousand and ten, and it really came into practice around twenty sixteen. Um, along the idea of fake news. Have you ever heard of fake news? Right, so this, there's this connection with fake news and this post-truth. Well, that's the society kind of that we live in. So people push back. And to your point, Mr. Mido, is that everybody kind of has their own truth, right? Not really, it's not really set in anything or any one thing. So it's like this idea of alternative facts versus actual facts. So that's what you were talking about, Sydney. this idea. Or feelings versus experience. How many people are driven by their feelings? Should we always trust our feelings? Right? Why not? What's wrong with trusting our feelings sometimes? They always change. That's right. That's very good. Right? And then preferences, right? What we think or what we would want or we desire versus what truth. Because truth, somebody said earlier, truth what? Hurts. Isn't that what you said, Eli? Truth hurts sometimes, right? Even though it could be good for us, right? So what is what is the danger in us even being driven by our emotions, our feelings, our alternative facts versus real facts—what what, what can happen there? What's the thing? Never know what it would bring to you. It goes against the truth. Was that Joel back there said that? Good. The actual truth gets forgotten. That's good, James. I like that. So I read. A, so have you ever heard of the Barna Group? They're a Christian organization. Does a lot of studies. Um, on different things in culture and trends. And I thought this was some interesting stats that they had put out. And they asked the question, who are you most likely to see as a credible news source? Okay, so they they polled Americans across the country. 39% said a reporter. How many of you trust a reporter? Some reporters do a good job, right? They're there, eyewitnesses. 32% nobody. I trust my instincts. 27% a friend, family member, or peer. 22% a famous academic. 14% a pastor I personally know. 12 a teacher i personally know 7% a politician 6% a famous pastor or 6% a celebrity right i just think it's interesting to see but that nobody really focused on what we would consider where the truth comes from right they I mean, mentioned some pastors further down the line but the bible is the source of the truth right so how many of you have how many of you have heard this line before and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free Okay, where'd you hear it? Okay, Abby? Summer camp? Okay, what else? Anybody else heard it anywhere else? Anybody know where it's from? What you said, Joel? The Bible? You're right. It's John, chapter 8. Verse 32, good job. But I said that like that, and I didn't actually have it up on the slide, because you, you will see there's a lot of places that use that phrase... In, in academics, for example. Uh, they use it in, you know, potentially at a camp. It's, it's, it's a common phrase that is not necessarily always used in the, in the from where it came from, the Bible. So when it says, you will know the truth, what do we say about the word the? The truth, that means it's the only one, right? And the truth will set you free. So truth didn't start in academia. Truth didn't start in the news. Truth didn't start just at some point in history. Truth comes from God than God alone, right? So that's what we're going to look at tonight as we move through this because it's not a 21st century American thing. Truth has always been attacked. Think about Adam and Eve. Go all the way back. Was truth attacked? Yeah, what, how was it attacked? Yeah. Right. I also thought about the story with Jesus when he's before Pilate in Matthew 18, 37 to 38, and then Pilate said to them, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is in the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? See the difference there? Jesus said the truth, and what does Pilate say? What is truth, right? So that goes back to that fancy word we said to the beginning, a definite article versus an indefinite article. But what Pilate's doing is he's responding like, okay, like what is even truth? Like he's a bit cynical in his response, and of course Jesus is trying to show him that he is the truth. So we see a good comparison here of the two: the truth versus just a truth, right? Something that someone may feel is just true in part. The problem is in our culture um, we need to look as Christians at the truth and where the source of the truth is, and that's where it takes us tonight. And looking at the faith—I mean, excuse me—the truthfulness of God as one of the attributes, and I want us to look at five different thoughts. So if you've got something to write with, if you've got something to type with, you've got your Bible, get ready. And we're going to look through some of these, and you can write these down. So our first one is that truth is divine. Truth is divine. What does it mean to be divine? From God. Right? Is that what you said, Elijah? Yeah, that's right. And not only is it from God, but it's from every element of the Godhead, from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? The Trinity, as we would call that. Truth does not originate with man. Truth originated with God. So we've got to get this settled when it comes to the truthfulness of God, that it is divine. Look at Isaiah sixty-five sixteen: So that he who bless himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten and are hidden for my eyes. And that word right there that we see for truth, actually in the Hebrew in this situation, a little bit different than what I told you earlier, means amen. What does amen mean? So be it, right? So be it. Verily, truly, so be it. But then look at it here. We see it, We see the same thing with Jesus in John 14, 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So see that, the truth? It should be highlighted. Yeah, another line. The truth, right? So we see it there that it's it's specific. It's not a truth. It is the truth. It's not a partial truth. It's the whole truth. Ephesians 4, 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as... The truth is in Jesus. So Jesus, we say, is the incarnation of God, right? He's God in the flesh, walking here on earth, and he is the truth. He's the fulfillment of truth. And then the Holy Spirit in John fourteen seventeen, it says, Even the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells within you and will be with you. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? in you as a believer, right? That to be a believer, correct? So he dwells in us, and because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, because of its divine origin being in God, that is, one, that is the reason why we can communicate truthfulness according to God and according to holiness. Like, could we do that on a, without the Holy Spirit? Like, the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to do so. So the first one, truth is divine. Secondly, truth is immutable and absolute. That's a big word, right? And actually, you're going to be talking about that in a couple weeks. So anybody happen to know what immutable means? Unchanging. It means unchanging. But that's 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 good context. I, I, that's way closer than I thought. Yeah, it means unchanging. And that's going to be something you're going to be looking at later. But look what it says in Psalms 119.89. Forever, O Lord, your word is what? Firmly fixed in the heavens. What is that? What does forever mean? forever, right? Yeah, everlasting, to everlasting. Isaiah 48, the grass withers, right, because the grass dies, the flowers fade, but the Word of God will do what? Stand forever. It will stand forever. It's interesting, when I was doing some study on this, one of the ways in which someone put it was that the Bible is the most up-to-date thing we have. Do you believe that? Even though it was written thousands of years ago? Why is it the most up-to-date thing? Truth. And it's unchanging, right? And it's always been true. Joe, you're getting good at this back there, man. How about this? How about this? It's more current than tomorrow's news. Think about that. Think about that. More current than tomorrow's news. It's always fresh. Do anybody ever, like, think about God's Word and say, it's just this old, boring book. How can it apply to what I have going on now? You ever think like that? Some people do, right? Yeah, because it's an old book. Miss Jamie doesn't, right? But she's so smart, is why. No, so it's it's unchanging, and and when and when God has something that's unchanging, it says it's forever, and it's going to last forever. It's good throughout that. It's always relevant. It always has its place. It always is good for us. But along with being unchanging, we also know that it's absolute. What does absolute mean? the standard of all things. Right? If you say you have absolute truth. What does that mean? Is there any other truth aside from that? No, it's absolute, right? 2nd Timothy 2:15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has not been ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. But look what Jesus does in his comparison with the Pharisees in John 8:44. He says you are the fa- you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Does Jesus give any room for any middle ground with truth? What does he say? One or the other, right? right? The truth or no truth at all. He doesn't even give it a, a truth. He just says no truth at all. And then in Romans three four we see Paul respond here, and he's talking about the, the Jews and the idea of circumcision and the idea of, of being you know being unfaithful in their beliefs and even God gave them the oracles gave them the word of God and all these things but yet they were still unfaithful and he was saying does that does that belittle or, or minimize God's word and what in, in the promise that which He gave them and he says here by no means let God be true though everyone were a liar. As it is written, you, have, you may be justified in your words and prevail when you're a judge. What's the comparison there? If God is truth, what's the, what's the opposition to God's truth? A lie, right? No truth. It's the same thing we said. There. So God is truth. And anything outside of that is a liar. God's truth is exclusive and it discriminates. Remember we talked about earlier how about sometimes truth is offensive how times you don't like to hear those things but how do we communicate truth what did we say at the beginning love right compassion so immutable and absolute unchanging and unchanging and the standard the third one truth is objective and illuminating who knows what objective means what would be the oh, if we said something was ob- objective what would be the other thing we would say Subjective, right? Like, do you prefer objective tests or subjective tests in school? Do you like multiple choice or essays? Multiple choice, right? Because it's straightforward. We get it. I always loved multiple choice. Like, I like when they have, like, A and B options only because that's 50% chance, right? 50-50. Or always choose B or always choose C if it's four. I don't remember the rule. So it's objective, it's clearly defined. The meaning is precise. Right, when you think about, what is the difference between precision versus accuracy? When it says that it's precise, what does that mean? To the point? Who in here shoots archery? Elijah? But so did your coach ever tell you like you should, You wanted to make sure you were gonna be precise before you were gonna be accurate? So precise means, even though you might not be in in archery, you might not be hit in the middle, all of your arrows are in one spot of the target, right? You're repeating the same thing over and over again, right? So that's the same thing. When something's objective, it's precise. It goes to the same place every time, right? It's not sporadic. It's not all over the place. It's not moving all around. Matthew 5.18, I love this. When we look at precision, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. But this is Jesus when he's in the middle of his sermon on the mount. He says this, and have you ever heard? Have you ever seen that there a dot or an iota? Have you ever heard that before? anybody know what, Anybody knows what that means? Ever wondered what that was? What does your Bible say? Anyway, what does your Bible say? Does it say dot or iota? Oh, you don't have it pulled up. Matthew five eighteen. Yeah, it's, it, it should say something along those lines. Okay, so first of all, we see any time that Jesus starts off with a sentence, that says truly. Or truly, truly, what do you think? What do you think we should do? That kind of raises the emphasis of it, right? Obviously, everything that Jesus said is truth. But when he says that, that's what that means. Truly, truly. Some of your Bibles may say verily verily. There's this, there's this emphasis that he's adding. He said, okay, I'm about to say something, and I really need you to key in on it. And he says, and I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So he elevates it right here, and it's because the iota... Or the, and the dot were two of the smallest strokes of the pen. Diota is the ninth letter of the Greek alphabet, and it literally means an extremely small amount. And a dot is a dot. So Jesus is being very precise with his word here, saying that until all of this comes to pass, even down to the dot or diota, is that important. Think about that. Think about when you're just taking casually taking notes. How much attention do you pay to crossing your T's and dotting your I's? If you look at my notes, it's terrible. Right? We don't put much attention. But here Jesus is saying, this is how precise this is. This is the my truth is this is how detailed it ultimately comes down to. The smallest little strokes here. It's completely trustworthy, even down to the smallest detail. Right? We need to watch the Patriot. Aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. I love that. I love that saying, right? Right? And the same thing is, is the down these precise details is so important because the objectivity. Of the truthfulness of God, then plays into the illuminating work that God's truth does in our lives. What is illuminating? I know that one, right? What was that? I heard somebody say something. Bringing focus to it, bringing light to it, right? To illuminate something is it's illuminating. So Psalms one nineteen one oh five says, "Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." Right. So that means there's. There's no stumbling that we have to worry about when we look at what God's word does. It's illuminating in our lives. I was walking through the sanctuary the other day at church and it was dark. And I like to pass through there sometimes because it's kind of a shortcut. And I but I really couldn't I couldn't see and I got too far away from the wall to kind of like find my way back to the light switch, so I took out this little flashlight I have in my pocket. But it's got like this little bitty it doesn't even work right now. But it's like a little bitty you ever seen like cartoons where like the flashlight's like the flashlight looks like a perfect circle? And you're like, I've never seen a flashlight like that. Well, that's what this flashlight looks like. It's a perfect little circle. But I was kind of, I was kind of running across the sanctuary, and I took it out, and I, and I couldn't actually, I actually tripped on one of the wires on the stage because I was using this little light, and it was only shining like right in front of me, and I just was guessing where I was on the stage, which was really a bad idea. I didn't break anything, to go. Um, but God's light is illuminating to our path, but I, I was getting ahead. I was getting ahead of light. It wasn't that it wasn't doing its job. I just was getting too far ahead of it. I saw this analogy one time about a person that would live in a basement. All the land, you have basements at your house. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you where you lived if you did. But this guy was making this analogy that someone could live down in a basement of their house, basically not have any context or any con- any connection to the outside world, and if all they had was a Bible, and they read it faithfully. That when they came out and began to engage in culture and the things going on around them, they would be able to see everything with the correct truth because of what they had learned in Scripture. Do you believe that to be true? God's word has that kind of power because it illuminates all these things ultimately in our life. When you think about money, for example, how many of you study the different types of counterfeit money? I didn't really think anybody did. You do, Micah? You study counterfeit money? Right. So when you, go work, when you go work at a bank, and I've not personally worked at a bank, but I asked somebody about this. One of the things that they do is they train you on what a real bill looks like. They train you on all the little details of it and so forth and so on. Now, do you think they train you on all the different types of counterfeit bills? Why not? Yeah, that's right, James, because they want you to know what the right bill looks like. And if you know what the right bill looks like, and if you know what the truth of that bill looks like, when, you, when a counterfeit comes in, what is going to happen? You're instantly going to know what it is. right? So we, the, God's word is the same way. So as we study God's word, as it illuminates our heart, as it illuminates our path and the ways in which we go, when some false truth comes into our life, guess what happens? You instantly see it. right? Because you, because you know the truth, and the truth is able to stand there on its own. So it's illuminating, and fourth truth is singular, yet universal. Singular yet universal. So God's truth stands alone. It's definite, like we were talking Jude three. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about your common salvation, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Know what it says there? The faith. What is the faith? The truth. Right. The faith that we have in the, our Lord Jesus Christ. God's truth is consistent throughout all Scripture, from cover to cover, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that through all of it, as we saw there in the New Testament when He was talking to Pilate. But Jesus is also His truth through God, because remember our first point: God was what? Divine. God is divine. That's the, that thread runs all the way through, all the way through the Bible. So it's singular; it's one pass. You know, when you think about how many have a, or how many of you here do tapestry work? I didn't think anybody does tapestry work, for the record. But if you do, Michael, you do tapestry work. Okay, okay, because you do make some really awesome guitars. So I mean, I, you probably could do it. So tapestry work—they do—they have what's called a common thread that runs through it. Right? So there's these, there's, there, and sometimes it's more, there's more than one, there's these threads that run the entire length, and that is what everything is weaved in and out of to make it. They use different color strings to make different, it's, it's artwork, right? So there's a common thread. So when we think about a common thread, you could, there could be a common thread in school. You know, you could have a common thread in a way in which you, you do certain things. But in the Bible, what is the, common, what is the common thread? Truth. And that truth is found in where? In Jesus. That's exactly right. In the Old Testament, we see prophecy of Jesus. In the New Testament, we kind of see it broken up in a couple of different places. In the Gospels, we see the history of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the, other, in the epistles, we see the theology of who Jesus is as the incarnate God. And then in Revelation, we see the what, end times, this future, this things that's taken place. So it's universal. It's applicable in all things that we do, all situations. It transcends all societies, all generations, and everything. The message of the gospel is the answer, this truth is the answer to all things in your life. You ever wondered if you had the answer to all things? You do. The truth. God's word is the truth in all those things. So we looked at it. It's singular, it's universal. And the last one here, it's authoritative and trustworthy. How many of you believe that the truthfulness of God is authoritative and trustworthy? Yeah, absolutely. It's authoritative. It makes demands on us who here likes authority in their life Ms. pat any of your students like authority in their life just drew man drew you like knocking it out the park tonight like authority and got a driver's license or passed a driver's test impressive yeah no authority does have a tendency to to, to rub us the wrong way right because we it goes against what our own thoughts and our feelings and things like that, right? Things that we want to do and so forth. But God's truth is ultimately authoritative. Is God making suggestions when he gives us commands? No suggestions, right? No, there's not suggestions. What about your parents? Do your parents give you suggestions about things you should do at home? No? Joel, what are some of the things you have to do? What happens if you don't mow the lawn? You get fussed, that's right. Do you always want to mow the lawn? Do you always want to listen about mowing the lawn? No, but you do, right? Because you know it's good for you, right? Exactly. Yes, yeah, exactly right. It's not they're not suggestions. God is sovereign. Y'all talked about sovereignty here, right? What was God's sovereignty? He does what he wants and he can. Yeah. Pretty, pretty straightforward right but he does it in a way in which we we can't right he's got a love and a compassion that comes with that absolutely god is sovereign he has a right to rule in our lives so god's truth is authoritative in our lives but because of that that means we are to be not only hearers of his word but what doers to be able to walk it out and then so in its in its authority comes its trustworthiness Right? And we're talking specifically along those lines Those lines tonight. And it's a place of rest and safety for us. So even though you don't necessarily like some of the authority figures in your life or the things that they may ask you, do you have a trust that they're going to take care of you and feed you and do those sorts of things? Yeah, so there's, so in that we can rest. And it's even so much more when we look at what, what happens in, in God's truth. It's the ultimate place in which we rest. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So what about, so all of God's word is what? Good for what? All of us, right? In every every way. There's no errors, there's no wrong diagnosis, there's no wrong counsel, it's reliable, it's true in history, it's true in doctrines, it's true in every way. It's free of all errors and all deficiencies. So we looked at these five things, and I realize, it's a, I realize it's a lot. It's a lot of information. So my question to you is, is, now what do we do? What do we do with all the information when we learn stuff like this? When we look at the truthfulness of God, what do we, is it just intellectual facts in our head? We apply it. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just to get more facts in our heads, correct? It's to be able to apply it. That's very good, Joe. So I want us to think about two things along those lines. So when we, as each week, as you're learning about these different attributes, at the end of every message or at different points in the message, Pastor Dom's going to give you things to think about, and what do you do with that? What are you going to take away with that? What are you going to bring home? How are you going to now apply it in your life more than just either some head knowledge or maybe you just got bored? So I think the very most important thing that any of us should do when we come against these, when we come up truths of God, when we look at things in Scripture, is it should heighten our view of God, which should, first, which should firstly increase our worship of God in everything that we do, and it should increase our love and compassion for the non-believer, for desiring to see people saved, and for loving people like you never have before. If, if those two things don't happen in your life when you come against biblical truth and you come against teaching in scriptures, you need to question your heart. You need to ask, why is it not having that impact in my life? Because even though it's true and even though there's things that are hard about it, it should bring us to a place of deeper worship to God and a greater love for God's people because that's what God is for. That's what God is all about. And then I think it should settle in our heart this standard of what truth is. Remember, In the beginning we talked about emotions and feelings and all these different things that connect that could make us think of what is true. But what should happen in this scenario, we should realize that we can't necessarily trust those things. Yes, God does use certain of those elements to guide us and to lead us. But ultimate true truth comes in God's truth, which is founded in, ultimately, God's Word. So if you're here tonight and you're not a believer, here's my encouragement for you. You need to make a decision for Christ. You need to make a decision that God is your Savior. And when you think through that and you think, well, I don't understand what that means, I don't know what that means, that sounds good, I don't know, and so forth and so on... It's the message of the gospel that you're trying to get that belief in your heart. And the very first element of the gospel always is, is that how high and how mighty and how holy and how set apart God is from all of us. He's not like us, right? That's the title of your message, who is like our God. The answer is no one is like our God. The second element that we, that as the Lord and the Spirit begins to work in our heart is that we see the reality of who we are apart from God, wretched. Sinful, unable to do anything good, unrighteous, in a position that, that we can't save ourselves. So we got two things there, and, like, and those are pretty, that's pretty weighty, right? We're like, wow, I, I, it doesn't seem like I have a whole lot to offer. Well, apart from Christ, we don't. And that's the place that ultimately this offense of truth should, should ultimately get us to. But here's the amazing thing. And we read about it when Jesus is talking to Pilate. What's about to happen there is Jesus becomes the answer for that problem. Jesus is the one that bridges that gap between sinful man and their inability to do anything, being dead in their trespasses, as Scripture tells us, and this holy, righteous God on the other side. But there's still the final element, and that's what comes to you tonight. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to believe that in your heart, that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is what can bridge that gap between you, as sinful man, and holy God. And when that belief settles out on your heart, as it tells us in Scripture, that is what saves us. That is what saves us. Now, is everything perfect and figured out at that point in your life? Of course not. But now you have a hope because it's based in the truth and the attribute that God is ultimately all truth. And then if you're a believer here tonight, to your point, Joel, what you said, I believe there's three things that you should, that we need to do. First and foremost is you need to study your Bible every day. How many of you study your Bible every day? Yeah. A couple of you do. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. You need to study your Bible every day. And as you're reading your Bible, you're not just reading your Bible just to get through words. Your prayer is, God, what was the intent that you gave this author when they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words down so that I can know the truth. And if you read it and you don't know it, then guess what? Read it again. And read it again. And read it again. It's okay. Read it again. You got, I tell people all the time, you got the rest of your life to read the Bible. Not like any other book that you're going to read once and put on the shelf. You could be like Miss Jamie and read books many times over. But most people read a book one time and never deal with it again. Right? You got the rest of your life to do so. So read your Bible. Secondly, pray every day at all times. How many of you do that? try. Right. It's tough, right, Elijah? Why is it tough? Distractions, right? Yeah, that's probably the best answer alone is distractions. I I like to use this word, and you've probably heard. Have you ever heard the the, the acronym ACTS for prayer? Right, A C T S. Right? I think it's a really good one because it helps you kind of focus your thoughts. One, A stands for what? Who knows? Adoration, right? We adore God. We, we, we just, we're so, we're so amazed by who He or We're awe of how He is, of how good He is. Right? C, confession. How many of you confess your sins to God on a regular basis? We should. Right? Scripture says that we actually confess those one to another. Right? So that we can, so that the truth of God can act in our lives. T, Thanksgiving being thankful for all that God the breath that he gives you each and every day and then the last part is your supplication and what I feel like is sometimes some of the smallest parts of our prayer because it's the things that we ask for or the things we want how many of you spend most of your time praying for things you want Yeah, pretty common I, mean, I, I, I do that right because it's because it goes back to what one of you said earlier about our feelings our emotions the things we want and the things we need so we read our Bible we pray and the third thing I would say to kind of wrap all that together is that we would seek wise counsel in your lives. you got a room here of adults and parents and leaders and a pastor that care deeply about your spiritual growth. They care really, really, really deeply about you, how you grow and walk in the Lord. And that the truth that you're walking in is rooted and grounded in Scripture. Proverbs 1.5 said, so Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands, obtain guidance. Right? Seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. Pour in to the people that are around you. Ask questions. When you don't understand something in Scripture, ask questions. Come up to Pastor and say, Hey, I've been reading this all week. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I can assure you one, two, one, one of two things. He's going to have an answer for you, or he's going to get the answer for you. Right? These leaders will do the same thing for you. Read God's Word and seek wise counsel in your life and look for what is the truth ultimately and not everything else that's going on in culture around us. And you will find that the Lord will be faithful to show these things and reveal them to you each and every time that you do so. God, we just thank you for how amazing you are. God, who is like our God? It's no one. God, we thank you for that truth. God, that you are the truth. God, that we can... In a culture and a world that's got all kinds of crazy things going on around left and right, all kinds of different truths based on emotions and feelings and things that are unrealistic and not connected to facts. And God, that we have a truth we can anchor. In. And God, I pray, Father, that you would, that if you would just be faithful as you always are, God, to reveal those things in all of our lives. That each of these students, God, would leave here with a deeper love, God, for you and for your Word. And God, for a desire to have real truth ultimately, in their lives. God, we love you. God, we love your truth. And no matter what it means in different parts of our lives and different parts of our, of whatever we have going on, but God, we give you all the glory. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.